Well, we are changing a little bit of gears, not too many gears, but we are going to be talking about a new series called Facing Goliaths. And these next few weeks, I hope, are going to be really helpful, really informative, uh, really eye-opening, uh, and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, is something that's going to bring you closer to God. Uh, obviously, that's our goal. And something that's going to be really uh, just sort of enlightening because many of us, all of us, have a lot of these Goliaths in our lives that we don't even know about. And so today's message is really an introductory message. Uh, I wanted to do that because you got to set some ground rules first before you dig on into something. So we're going to set some ground rules, give you some stuff. But then over the next few weeks, we are going to be digging into some things that all of us at one point or another, to one degree or another, struggle with and, uh, and things to overcome. And that's where we're going to be going. I think it's going to be really one of, the, you know, one of the best falls we've had and one of the most informative. We're going to be bouncing around the Bible. You'll, you'll, you'll be exposed to scriptures you never knew existed. And so, uh, but today we're actually going to read a scripture that many of you know exists. It's the story of David and Goliath. And one of the things that I found hidden in the Jewish archives, hidden in the archives over in Israel, they found a letter from a soldier on the front lines when the Israelite army was facing the Philistine army, and that's the army from which Goliath came. Uh, They found a letter, written in Hebrew, obviously, uh, from the front lines of one of the soldiers. So I'd like to just start by reading that for you. It's a letter to his wife, written about 1018 B.C., in the valley of Elah, which was one of the borders between Judea and Philistia. And so he says this, he says, my dearest wife, he came out again today, that taunting terror, terror, staring us down, shouting, why don't you send somebody? Are you afraid? Is there nobody who can face me? His taunts were followed by deafening silence. The fate of Israel hung in the balance. The fate of the Messiah hung in the balance. The fulfillment of all of our prophecies hung in the balance. And we waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. For the government to do something, for the government to do anything, for governments to do what governments are supposed to do. But that day, there were no commands given. There were no orders to follow. And no volunteers came forth. You see, standing before us was the great champion Goliath. Goliath is somewhere between seven to nine feet tall, and he wore a bronze helmet. Can you believe that? A bronze helmet and a massive coat of armor. Bronze plates to cover his legs. A bronze javelin slung across his back. He had an armor bearer in front of him and a confident army behind him. Goliath is impenetrable and undefeatable by any human standards. The problem is, nobody knew that more than Goliath himself. So he taunted and taunted and taunted 
knowing that he would win. And the more he taunts, the more our surrender seems certain. And my thoughts go to you, my wife. What will happen to you if we lose? If we lose, we lose everything. What will happen to you? I heard the king ask, have we found anybody today? No, replied the general. Is the reward enough? Yes, it's plenty. Can we offer anything else? Well, we're already offering your daughter in marriage for the man who faces Goliath and wins. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Oh, what about taxes? Sir, you've already said the man would be exempt from taxes. Okay. All right, then. And I saw it with my own eyes. The great King Saul walked off defeated for one more day he had no power his friends had no power we all felt worthless powerless and weak so much for crossing the red sea it feels like our god has abandoned us but thinking about it perhaps maybe we've abandoned him either way the tallest and most capable warrior of us all, King Saul, sits terrified behind his army while his enemy stands out in front. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Our king failed us. The man failed Israel. The man failed God. I do not think I shall return the same man if I do return at all. For all that we relied on has failed us who is left to rescue us from goliath who will save us who who indeed okay now obviously i did not find that in the jewish archive some of you are probably like wow they found that letter i i'm not a liar you know i just thought i'd set it up a little bit so you know that is you know could very well have been the sentiment that many of the soldiers were feeling this morning. Let's go to the real account in 1 Samuel 17. And I'm actually going to skip to verse 8 because the previous seven verses are really recovered in this fictional letter I wrote. But beginning in verse 8, it says, Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. And let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, on hearing Goliath's words, Saul and all the Israelites, it's important to point out, Saul, the king, who stood a head taller than every other Israelite there, Saul and all the Israelites were terrified and dismayed. 
This morning we're beginning a series where we are talking about facing the Goliaths in our lives. We all have Goliaths. Now they may not be seven to nine foot warriors bent on spearing us, but metaphorically we all face Goliaths in our lives. And I want to just go through a few of the active Goliaths and passive Goliaths that I have seen in people. And I want you to know this, because some of you may say, what does this have to do with the Scripture? This is exactly what the Israelite army was going through when Goliath was making their taunts. Some of them, all of them, had a mixture of these things that we face when we have a Goliath staring us down. And the first one, quite frankly, is fear and anxiety. I know some people, especially some, some tough men, they'll be like, I don't struggle with fear. I don't struggle with anxiety. That's for those kind of people, those whelps who are always skittish and afraid. Well, the fact of the matter is, is you may not struggle with it all the time, but always in the background, This is how you know if you struggle with fear and anxiety. Always in the background, you've got this question, what if? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if this person doesn't say hi to me? What if this person rejects me? What if I put myself out there and this happens? What if I, you know, I lose my 401k? What if we go to war? What if we get invaded? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And all of those, and in all of those what ifs, you react and try to control all those what ifs so that those what ifs, the bad parts of those what ifs, do not happen to you. If there is a what if out there that's really staring you in the face, that's a Goliath. And for us Americans, we we have some primary ones. I think the biggest one is what if I lose my job? We 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 get we get freaked out. I might I might get kicked to the street. I may lose my you know lose my car. Lose my we think about what we're gonna lose. When we bring God with us in our lives, it doesn't mean that all of those what-ifs get cleared out. What we can kick back and say is, you know what, God knew all of these what-ifs that I was gonna be facing. God knew all of these what-ifs that were gonna come. He's already got a plan to rescue me out of all of those what-ifs, out of all of those calamities. I just need to let those what-ifs be what they're gonna be and just continue to trust God and not live my life in fear. I can't control what the world is gonna do, but I can control what I'm going to do and I am going to react in confidence that God knew this was gonna happen and already has a plan to get me out of it rather than react in fear all the time. Amen? That's defeating that Goliath. Number two, addictions or compulsive behaviors. We can so easily self-medicate or get compulsive, you know? We, we get, something happens, the, a Goliath starts staring at us, and we just start to eat compulsively or drink compulsively, or smoke compulsively, or we start to do other, you know, some people run compulsively. My wife used to do that, you know? I mean, we, we just can have compulsive behaviors that become addictions. And at the end of the day, we know it's not God's best, but we come to a place where we just can't seem to live life without it. Whether it's a food addiction, or a porn addiction, or even a pride addiction or a gossip addiction. 
Another Goliath may be anger or control. And I'll be the first one to admit that this is probably the one that stares me down the most. Anger and control. I can have a temper. I can want to control everything and, and, and it's selfish. And, and you know, I'll, I'll even admit, it's not that I'm filled with rage. It's not that I fly off the handle every day. Some of you may say, Tom, you seem so calm and so nice and so gentle. And I am so calm and nice and gentle. But here, here's how anger can really become a Goliath. Somewhere inside of you, there's this smoldering critical voice that's angry. It's mad. It dresses people down. It, it, it's that little voice, you know, that, that's constantly smoldering in its attacks and criticisms on other people. A lifetime of that can really change you, can really destroy you. The fourth one here, rejection or abandonment. You know what we all learn as kids? If we do well, we get approval. If we dress well, look well, perform well, then we get approval. And of course, if we don't dress well, don't look well, or don't perform well, we get rejected. We learn very quickly how the world does rejection and approval. So what happens? We become people who perform throughout life. Life becomes one big performance. Maybe Shakespeare was right. All the world is a stage, and all we are is merely players. But I reject that wholeheartedly as a Goliath that needs to come down. When we begin living for the approval of others, what we are saying is they have more power over our lives than God. And we'll live for that approval. Doing things we never thought we would do just so that we never suffer rejection or abandonment. Number five, another one, an active Goliath we may face is enabling, enabling unhealthy behavior. We become everybody's caretaker, doing for them what they should be doing for themselves. How many of you, you're guilty of that? You know that you step in and you fix people's problems when the best thing for them would have been for them to learn how to fix their own problem. And parents do this with their children well into their 20s and 30s, sometimes 40s and 50s. You know, we want to become everybody's caretaker, everybody's rescuer, and what we're actually doing is enabling them to remain as infants. You've got to grow up. Take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your actions. Trust in God, and you defeat your own Goliaths rather than having some enabler or rescuer come in and try to defeat them for you. Another thing, too, is mortality. This is the Goliath for atheists atheists are real confident when they're my age or younger they began to lose their confidence as mortality begins to set in because while they're 99 percent sure there is no god we are just cosmic dust and we will become worm food there's one percent of them that's like oh what if I die and I'm still conscious? What if I leave this body and there is another world and I have bet all of existence against that? Mortality becomes a Goliath, particularly for atheists and those who don't believe because death becomes very hard to accept. 
It's very hard to accept that 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 transition will come for all of us. And then some giants are passive. Uh, some of the more passive giants are laziness. You know, how many of you struggle with? Don't lift your don't put your hand up. You know, I'm just the rhetorical. You know. How many of you struggle with laziness? I mean, if you want to get it off your chest, just put your hand up right now. You know, we'll pray for you. And I'm just, yeah, look, look in the back there, like two hands, you know. Uh, you know, I can't, even put, <laughs> I can't even put my hand up. I'm so lazy, you know. I don't feel like doing the good I ought to do. It's laziness, complacency, procrastination, you know. That can be one of the more passive giants. The second one goes along right with it entitlement there's no more silent giant to work in your heart when you have this little voice inside you that says you know what i deserve more and i'm mad that somebody isn't giving it to me i'm mad that my parents and my family aren't giving me more i'm mad that my friends don't give me more i'm mad that my government doesn't give me more i'm mad that this world just doesn't give me my due and my share. I see everybody else getting their due and their share, and I'm mad that I don't have my share, and I'm just going to keep this same old song going and going and going and going and going. Entitlement. It can become a Goliath that we don't even recognize because we're so convinced we deserve it. Indifference. Indifference. One of the things that really shocks me the most is how much I see us in our modern world growing colder and colder and colder toward others. And I'm not just saying just like you, you here in the church, but everybody. You know, just cold. The amount of people I hear say these, this sentence has grown to like half the people I talk to. Tom, I don't care. What does that have to do with me? I don't care. Oof. Those words are like a sword that can stick through your heart. I don't care. I hear spouses say that to each other. I don't care. I see friends say it to each other. Kids say that to their parents. Parents say that to their kids. I don't care. The indifference that has welled up in our society and welled up in us, where if it has nothing to do with us, then we don't even think about it. We don't even care about it. It's not in our world. And we become indifferent. Think about this. Here's a little test. How many of you, when you drive by someone and they have a sign that says, hungry, any, I'll take anything we'll do. Please help. God bless. There's a little thing inside you that's like, you know what? <laughs> I have given enough. I have done enough. I just don't care anymore. Think about that. Now, some of you may say, oh, I can't believe people are like that. You know, so this may not be for everybody. But I know for some of us, we, we can just get to that point where indifference just begins to sit in. Now, I'm not saying go out there and, you know, start handing out money to everybody on the corner. You know, some people, you know, that might be the worst thing you could do for them. But I, I'm still, it's that thing in your heart that says, you know, I care. I care about poverty in our world. I care about abuse in our world. I care that there are people uh, every second being sex trafficked around this planet, sex slaves. I care about that, and I hope we can figure out a problem. And if I'm ever called upon to be one of the people to go on the front lines to solve this problem, I will do it. Does that make sense? And then last but not least, self-focus. 
I am, self-focus says, I am the center of my universe. And half the time, you don't even know it. A lot of times when I'm, when I'm meeting with someone, I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> they are so selfish and self-focused. They either have a princess complex if they're a girl or a king complex if they're a guy and they don't even see it. And I start scratching my head like, how in the world do I get them to be able to see what they cannot even see about themselves? Because that self-focus can be so ingrained, we don't realize that every instinct has to do with us. And it becomes a Goliath you're not even aware of. These Goliaths, Fear, anxiety, addictions, compulsions, anger, control, rejection, abandonment, enabling, mortality, laziness, entitlement, indifference, self-focus. This was the condition of the Israelite army in verse 11. How did they get there? It wasn't overnight, but little by little, they start saying, we don't need God. We can take care of things ourselves. We don't need God in our lives. We're smart. We're strong, we're beautiful, we're sexy, we're all these things. We don't need, you know, and just, it, it, didn't, it didn't happen overnight. It was just a little, do, 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 do. if you read the book of Judges, the book of Judges kind of sped it up a little bit, you know, just little by little, till all of a sudden, there is a Goliath facing them, and it doesn't even dawn on them to go find a priest. Read the passage. Nowhere. Nobody in the army says, you know what, is there a man of God that we could inquire of? Is there someone who's close to God who can pray for us? Uh, King Saul, who has David in his employment as a worship leader, doesn't even send for David. They have become so self-sufficient, they've completely forgotten of what God can even do. They forgot the Red Sea. They forgot the manna. They forgot the river. They forgot all of these things. It's so far back in the past now that all they have left is fear, addictions, anger, rejection, enabling, mortality, laziness, entitlement, indifference. All they have left is this and the product of those things in our lives is fear, anxiety, powerlessness, purposelessness. You gotta, you gotta wonder what they even thought they were doing there in that valley. If they knew they were facing a giant they couldn't beat and a war they couldn't win, why wait it out? That seems like it'd be more torture than just surrendering, right? Even in their waiting, they were immobilized and couldn't do anything because they were incapacitated by fear. God had become such a distant memory that they were trying to handle everything in and of themselves. And finally, something in life came that was so big and so powerful and so strong, they couldn't handle it anymore. Their strength had left them. Their king had left them. Everybody and everything had left them. Except God. And that's part of the message this morning. You may be so far from God you may have done so many things that make you think you're so far from God. You may have burned so many bridges with God. You may even in your heart wonder if there even is a God. Let me tell you this. 
not for one second has God given up on you. Not for one second has God not believed in you. Not for one second does God not want to come right next to you and say, hey, I can take out this Goliath. I can beat him. In fact, you know what God is saying? I am the only one who can beat him. Trust me. Trust me. I'll take him down for you. And we'll live an amazing life together. Filled with the power and the glory and the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, trust me. I am the giant killer. What is a Goliath? couple of ground rules before we go into our message throughout the, the, the weeks to come. First of all, it's any problem that cripples you with fear and makes you feel powerless to overcome it. Any problem, circumstance, or person that cripples you with fear, immobilizes you with fear, and makes you feel powerless to overcome it. You can't overcome it. It's undefeatable. It's impenetrable, right? Number two, any person, circumstance, or problem that challenges your calling, your identity, or your purpose in Christ. And then number three, any person who abuses you and tempts you to live as a victim. Oh, I'm just a victim. Oh, life will never get better. Oh, I just have to accept that it's just always going to be this way. Oh, I have to accept that I'm always just going to be this way. Oh, I'll always be afraid. Oh, I'll always be addicted. Oh, I'll always be lazy. The Israelites were going through exactly what we went through. That is why nowhere in that story do you hear them call for a man of God. In fact, they didn't even call for a priest. You know how they got delivered? David, who's not even there, is sent to bring food to his brothers. Now here is a man who's close to God, filled with the Spirit, he takes one look at the situation. He says, We're, who, don't you remember who we are? And he steps up. And through the power of the Holy Spirit takes on the giant. He very carefully, he says this, I don't fight you. I'm not going to come against you. In fact, if this is a fight between me and you, I agree, Goliath, you're probably going to win every time. What does he say? I come at you in the name of of the armies of the Lord. And in that name do I defend this army. So the Israelites were going through exactly what we're going through. But the good news is this, that that is not God's plan for our lives, to be suffocated by these giants. Take a look at a few of these scriptures. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Look at John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you ha may have peace. Jesus is saying, yes, there are going to be Goliaths in this world and they will stare you down. But in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. There is no Goliath out there that Jesus is even remotely afraid of. There is no giant out there that he isn't willing to stare in the face and say, sit down, get out. 
There is nothing that faces us that Jesus can't step up and say, now wait just a minute. It's beautiful. Everybody stand for a second. If you can, stand up. Shake it out, shake it out, shake it out. Shake it out. We're going to read together Romans chapter 8, verse 35, because this, if you heard nothing else, if you remember nothing else, Remember what you're about to say. It is amazing. All right, let's say it together. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height, any depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise this morning? Come on, come on, come on. You may be seated. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. The take home this morning Usually I like to find action points, things you can do tomorrow, things you can do throughout the week. But these are things I want you to consider first. Next week we'll get more on things that the Holy Spirit can call us to do. But the first thing is Goliaths remind us that people are often a reflection of the God they follow. People are a reflection of the God they follow. If your God is angry, guess what? You're probably going to be angry. I've met with people that they grew up with a form of church, even a form of Christianity where God was angry. God was always angry at you. You sinned. You did something wrong. You said something wrong. You know what happens when they start having kids? They reflect that in the same way. They begin to treat all the other people around there with that latent angry. If your God is angry, you'll probably be angry. If your God is powerless, oh yeah, God created the world, but... You know, God's like not really in the world anymore. God's not really active in the world. You know, God kind of created it like TV. He's just kind of watching it go by, a.k.a. a powerless God to intervene in our lives or in the here and now. Well, then you'll begin to live your life pretty powerlessly. Now, you may say, no, a lot of people who act like that, they actually try to take on power because they don't think God's going to be there to help them. They take on power until the day a Goliath stares them in the face. And watch how the powerful become powerless when a true Goliath stares them in the face. Or if your God is powerful and merciful and loving, you'll reflect that power, that mercy, and that love. First point is people are a reflection of the God they follow. Number two, Goliaths do not seem harmful at first. Anybody ever remember the story about the woman that got eaten by the tiger? I mean, okay, not that that's a story that everybody wants to, you know, find. But, but this, I'm not talking about the zoo trainer in Las Vegas. There was a woman in the United States that had a pet tiger. 
and one day the tiger ate her. And you may say, yeah, duh, that's what tigers do. They eat people. You may say, how did this happen? I think I can tell you how. When the lady first got the tiger, the tiger was real small, right? Real cuddly. You know, they'd lick you with that little sandpaper tongue, you know, and and you, you kind of play with its fangs, you know, because they're so cool, you know, tiger's fangs, you know, just kind of pet the thing, you know. Here's the problem. The tiger grew, right? And when the tiger became an adult, the tiger did what all adult tigers do. They eat people, all right? They do. In the food chain, we are beneath tigers, all right? I mean, is there anybody here that argues with that, you know? <laughs> we are beneath tigers. The only reason we supersede tigers is because of what? Guns, right, you know? <laughs> so we are beneath tigers, okay? That tiger grew, and one day the lady goes out, and the tiger ate her. And it's a sad story. But that's what happens. Goliaths can start out real literally, oh, I just gossip just a little. I just... You know, I'm just smoking a little bit of crack these days. Or, oh, I'm just, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know why I picked that one, but, you know, you know, and you know what I'm saying? It can start off real little, but before you know it, it grows into a giant bent on destroying you. Number three, everybody has them. Some go away, and some decide to stay. I already told you two of my giants that I. One of my giants that I struggle with is control. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to control things. I, sometimes I'll be driving around Bakersfield, and I'll be like, you know what? They should name me king of the city. I mean, I could, I fix the roads, I get everything. You know, I look, sometimes I look at the mess of Bakersfield, and I think, I can fix this city. If you just let me, give me the control, I'll fix it all. That's control, you know, I, and I get mad at it. I get mad when I have to go on this street and go this way just to make a right turn that I could have. How many of you, when you're driving on Hagman, wonder, now why am I curving up to Olive just to get on the freeway when you're looking straight ahead and the freeway's right there? You need to make me king of the city, and I'm telling you right now, I'll fix everything. I'll even give you free internet. So... <laughs> Control is my first one, but I never told you my second one. My second one is approval. It's approval. When, uh, when we were on sabbatical and I was talking with various people, one of the things that came up was that I want everybody to like me. I do. What... And, and, of course, the, the, the statement was, Tom, not everybody is going to like you. And what was my response? Oh, yes, they will. <laughs> oh, yes, they You don't like me? You have just become my career. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's that approval. Everybody has them. Some go away. Some decide to stay. I'm not nearly as angry as I used to be. That one's going away, and... And I'll tell you, that one's going away through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I just hear the voice of God saying, let that go. And he gives me the power to let that go. Mothers stick around. 
Number four, sometimes Jesus blitzes and sometimes Jesus plays the long game. Now, we like when Jesus blitzes, right? You know what a blitz is in football? It's when you try to win the game in one play. They send the defense across the line, try to sack the quarterback. They just want to win quickly and instantly. And I don't know about you, I love it when Jesus blitzes in my life. And there have been some things that he's blitzed that are just gone. They're just gone, you know? Uh, I, I was addicted to a lot of things, drugs, alcohol, boom. Jesus got a hold of my heart, and in 24 hours, it was gone. It's a miracle. I don't talk about it much because I know there's some of you in here, you've struggled with drugs lifelong, and I don't want to rub it. But for me, that was my encounter. I had a 24-hour turnaround, and I, that's, for me, that was my first miracle. I know. The only thing I did was pray to Jesus, and then boom, it's gone. That's the blitz. Other things has been the long game. It's been throughout my life, God allows the giant to sort of be there to remind me to depend on God more than depend on myself. Not everybody's going to like me, but thank God Jesus will always love me. Amen? Amen. And number five, only through Jesus does Goliath fall. <clears throat> One time when I, was, when I was a youth pastor, I lost a kid. That's, that's something you don't want to have happen. I've told the story before, some of you remember it. I was on a mission trip to Mexico, and, and I lost a kid. I mean, first of all, you don't ever want to lose a kid. Second of all, you don't want to lose a kid when you're outside of the country, you know? I, I lost him. Uh, actually, what happened was he got locked in the bathroom back at the dorm we were staying, so he was never in any danger, but I didn't know that. So... When I found out, we were about, you know, five minutes, we had left, five to ten minutes later, you know, we, we, did a, we did a count, obviously our count was off by one, and five to ten minutes later, I, we did a recount, and then we found out we were off by one. People are like, where's Philip? And when I heard that, my heart sank. Remember, I struggle with control and approval. I'm going around to everybody. Where's Philip? What'd you do? No, no, no. I'm yelling at the kids. I'm freaking out. I'm like about to pull my hair out. And then one of these sophomore girls who was no more than five feet tall and 90 pounds comes up to me and says, well, Pastor Tom, Jesus is bigger than anything. Let's just pray and I'm sure the Lord will take care of it. I looked at her and I said, be quiet. <laughs> you don't want to hear that in those moments, do you, you know? But you know what? She was right. She was right. Only through Jesus do the Goliaths fall. I don't know how else to say it. Living life in our own strength, eventually we will wear down. A giant will be staring us in the face and we'll crumble. Like the Israelite army will be dismayed and terrified. Only through Jesus do we go the whole course of our lives in victory, in faith, without fear, and with peace. And so this morning, I'd like to give a very simple invitation. Whether it's for the first time of your life, or whether you'd like to rededicate your life, to be able to say, you know what? I'm standing with Jesus. I'm choosing Christ. I want to be filled with His Spirit. And I want to see my Goliaths fall. And if that's you this morning, I don't want you to look up at me. 
I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you unafraid to stand to your feet and say, I'm making my stand with Christ and I'm not ashamed of it. Go ahead right now. Just stand to your feet if that's what you want to do. Stand to your feet. No fear. Don't care what anybody thinks of me. I just want God to see me standing on my feet for Him. Let's go ahead and give another moment. Give you a chance to stand. Stand in faith. Amen. Amen. Now all of us together, let's say it. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking out my Goliaths. I trust in you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your spirit and help me to take down the giants in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise this morning? Come on, come on, come on, come on.